the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Saturday morning is always all right for the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Good morning. Good to be with you. News Talk 710-KNUS, day number three of this early morning 6 a.m. stuff. As I filled in for George Brockler on Thursday and Friday, some great shows. Thoroughly enjoyed what we got to do on those programs. And we're looking forward to what we have in store today. Our guests are just focused on some local education issues because we have a lot to talk about. We'll be joined later this hour by, by Brian McCauley, conservative candidate running for the school board in Littleton Public Schools. And in the second hour, we will be joined by Andy Jones, who's a candidate for the Douglas County School Board, and then by Mike Peterson, the president of the Douglas County School Board, to talk a bit about the tax uh, mill levy override and bond measures that are on the ballot for funding greater teacher pay and more School safety officers, armed security, and building new schools in the southern part of the district where they don't have them and are in need of neighborhood schools. We'll talk with Mike Peterson about that. But otherwise, we have so much to discuss, such as goodness. What's going on with the dysfunctional House GOP? The Republicans still can't get it together. And it was to the point where Jim Jordan said, you know what, let's do a third vote. They did a third vote yesterday, and he lost votes even more. Well, we were live on the air. I chuckled just because I, I think when I asked the question, I think I asked last weekend, who's more dysfunctional, the House GOP, the Denver School Board, or the Colorado GOP, it was like, I don't know how to answer that question. It's the House GOP right now. The House Republicans are undoubtedly incapable of just, not undoubtedly, they are right now incapable of even sorting out a leader. I talked with Michael Barone yesterday, the Chief political analyst for the Washington Examiner, brilliant, brilliant guy. I've loved interviewing Michael since before this show was even on KNUS in 2013. I was interviewing the guy. And I call him the one-man political almanac. And he made the point that in 1998, Newt Gingrich wanted to be speaker again. It was January. He put his name forward. He lost the secret vote. And it was obvious they didn't have unity in the caucus for him. So he bowed out and left it there. When McCarthy went ahead and did his run for speaker this year, he went through 15 ballots and he overpromised and underdelivered. 
He made too many promises to too many people, and then he couldn't make do, make good on those promises. It ticked people off. He ended up getting tossed out of the speakership. You don't overpromise. But the other thing is, it's got to be an indication, okay, with each vote you're getting weaker and weaker and weaker as speaker. And that's what ended up becoming so plainly true. He became a weaker speaker as a result of all of those votes. Jim Jordan did three. Tuesday, Wednesday. It was obvious that he was not gaining traction. But we are not in January anymore. We are midstream. The boat is on the river. Right now it's rudderless, but it is on the river. It's been on the river. It had a rudder. The rudder broke. They're trying to fix the rudder. But the engineers are debating about who gets to help fix the rudder and who should be in charge of fixing the rudder. And it it seems endless, but they're already midstream. And here you have Republicans now midstream, almost 11 months in, they tossed out their leadership, they haven't put in a new leader. And we have a war in Israel, a war, of course, in, in Ukraine that's ongoing that U.S. is supporting, but particularly the Israeli Hamas war in Gaza. And this thing called the budget negotiations. You need to get a leader in there who can then negotiate with the House and the Senate and the President to get this done and in a way that does not require another continuing resolution. But you're burning daylight here. More and more as this continues, you're burning daylight, ladies and gentlemen. And eventually Republicans could get the blame for a government shutdown. And you know what? They deserve it in that case. Because before, the polls were showing Democrats were going to get the blame. But now Republicans are the one that literally have sidelined the House of Representatives for two, going on three weeks. And so... Jim Jordan on Friday puts his name forward again after Thursday floating the idea of why don't we let this the interim speaker Patrick McHenry take over the speakership for the time being or the the speaker pro tem why don't we let him become the interim speaker I thought that was a good idea if they could actually vote him in and not make a deal with the Democrats of course which I believe could be done They put him in as a temporary speaker, and then come January, they hash it out behind closed doors, come out with their nominee, and they all fall in line in that case and get it done. You think Nancy Pelosi would ever bring a vote to the floor on her speakership without having the votes? No, this is not about eradicating the independence of Republicans. Oh, the Republicans are far more independent. It's true. Republicans are more independent-minded, of course. 
But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the basics of governance and cohesion that is necessary in order to defeat Democrats and in order to get things done. And that's not present in this Republican Party right now. Full stop. And here's the problem, too. You get anybody in that speaker's chair. What's the likelihood that the Republicans are actually going to work with that person, trust that person, and actually look to that person for leadership on the biggest issues? This point, I don't know. The whole thing, of course, is quite a mess. And there's a lot of finger pointing that's going on. There was a a heated argument that went on between Kevin McCarthy and Matt Gates behind closed doors. Here's a snippet of that. I was at the mic. I was speaking, and Matt Gates tried to interrupt his hand, so I told him to sit down, and we sat down. I think it, no, I told him to sit down. I, th- I think the entire conference screamed at him. People are, listen, we, the whole country, I think, would scream at Matt Gates right now. Remember, it was a crazy eights led by Matt Gates and every single Democrat that put us into this situation. Uh, we've never been in this situation before. But how do you have 4% of your conference remove a speaker when 96% are there? This is why we're here. He had no plan afterwards. Now we have Israel at a war, questions whether Congress can act, uh, questions where we'd be able to go to select a new speaker. You can tell he's irritated, and understandably so, but here's yesterday. Unfortunately, um, Jim is no longer going to be the nominee. We'll have to go back to the drawing board. What history will look at, The crazy eights led by Gates, the amount of damage they have done to this party and to this country is insurmountable. The crazy eights led by Gates. We have Republican, top Republicans lobbying those kinds of terms against a group of Republicans. Now, I, I do think that Gates deserves criticism. But look, is that really a way to help build a team? And to move forward, McCarthy doesn't even know what the future is for the Republican Party. So what's going to happen next? What kind of names do you expect to be on the candidate forum list? I don't know. I mean, on a very serious note, this is talking about the person third in line to the presidency. And the furthest step anybody takes is from the front row to the podium. A lot of people here that might put their name in might not have the knowledge of what it takes in others. So I, I hope we, we, we had some other people up for the job that both could have done the job. Uh, I, I'm concerned about where we go from Meanwhile, I didn't, I didn't see this before we went on the air for Brockler's show yesterday, so I couldn't talk about it, but Ken Buck was on Meet the Press Daily on Thursday evening where he talked about the blowback that he has gotten that is unconscionable. From death threats to being evicted from his district's office because of a a disagreement with the landlord over the speaker vote. Part of the reason that there's temper right now is this 
uh, constant barrage of phone calls. We have, mm. I have six full-time people answering the phones. I have 20,000 messages from people who, where we couldn't. So far, I've had four death threats. I've been evicted from my uh, office in, uh, the, in Colorado. Uh, I have notice of an eviction. Um, because the landlord is mad with my uh, voting record uh, on, on the speaker issue. Um, and everybody in the conference is getting this. So, so it's natural. Uh, family members have been approached and, and threatened. Uh, all kinds of things are going on. There's going to be some, uh, some tension. Four death threats, Congressman, because you're not supporting Jim Jordan? That's right. And of course, and, and I, I want to, if I can't yes, make something absolutely please. clear, this is not Jim Jordan's yes, fault, and I'm yes. not suggesting and he at has all been that very it is. Clear about this that, is, yeah. uh, you know, there, there are a lot of TV pundits, there are a lot of radio pundits, there are a lot of grassroots groups that are putting out misinformation and, and hateful information, and it just stirs people up. And there are a lot of people that are scared about the direction of this country, and they're taking this to heart. All over a speaker vote. If Republicans, and I don't just mean in the House, but those of us out here, everyday Republicans and conservatives, talk radio hosts, talk radio listeners, others in the media, others out and about, if we're getting this amped up and this personal internally amongst ourselves over speaker leadership position, I don't have much hope for moving forward. Do you, 303-696-1971, do you think that after this speaker vote, whenever it happens and they finally get somebody in there, if they do, that Republicans will be able to accomplish something in the next year? That Republicans will be able to hold the House in the next year? It's possible, because Biden's so bad that Republicans could maintain the House. But you got if you got Trump as the nominee... And then you got a dysfunctional Republican House of Representatives. It makes things more difficult in that regard, I would say. But how can you march ahead if you have this kind of personal vindictiveness that is going on? I I don't see it. Maybe somebody's got a dose of optimism for me. 303-696-1971. And you could totally disagree with Buck on this, but to get so amped up, I I find it unfathomable. It's not the pressing policy issues of the day. It's a leadership issue that should have been settled back in January. And that fiery GOP meeting, Buck recounted that, the one from... I believe it was Thursday. I was there for three and a half hours, Kristen. It was painful. Uh, yeah, uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, went to the microphone several times, and as the uh, sort of uh, person who was last speaker um, was was granted the ability to speak as often and as long as he wanted to, um, uh, Matt Gates got up and, and wanted to make a point. Kevin told him to sit down. Um, at that point, uh, temper started flaring a little bit. It, it was it was no more than a minute and a half of, of a three and a half hour meeting. Uh, but there was some tempers, uh, clearly, and, and I think at, after that point in time, people backed down again. Let me ask you. Is this okay to you? Is all of this okay to you because you're pursuing principles or some other objective? That 
the personality squabbles and the infighting and and not getting it sewed up behind closed doors or the hubris of, you know, you're midstream, you're Jim Jordan, you go up, you get 20 votes against you, and then the next vote you have 22, and then it takes you a couple more days and a third vote to realize I can't do this, I got 25 Republicans now that are opposed to me. Or on the other side, others not collaborating and trying to figure out, okay, who's somebody who can actually have the trust of the caucus, who's capable of all of this? But it, it, it somehow, is it is it okay? Look, you need to do this part behind closed doors. And that needs to be done, and it needs to be settled, ideally by Monday. I don't have hope for it. But we'll see. Now, one more buck clip before we run to a break. Does he regret his vote against McCarthy? Do you regret voting to oust Speaker McCarthy? I don't. I regret the fact that we didn't solve this problem um, during the first 15 votes, that, that it took a lot of promises to a lot of different groups to get to the speaker vote in January. That's what I regret. I think if we had had more consensus at the beginning, we wouldn't have uh, gotten into this point. I I voted the way I did because I think that the spending in this country is an existential threat. Um, I made my point. Now we need to move on, get a speaker and, and govern. Text coming in. No optimism until we get rid of rhinos like Buck. He is there to represent us and does not. Okay. Is he a rhino because of... The speaker vote. Like, is that it? I've known Ken Buck since in 2009. He was running for U.S. Senate. He came into my Regis University studio. I was barely 19. And we spent an hour talking as he was getting ready to run. And we had a few more interviews during that cycle. He was on the first edition of this program. In 2014, he had announced that he was running for or 20. 13, he'd announced that he was running for U.S. Senate. Eventually, he and others running for Senate got out and paved the way for Cory Gardner, who won against Mark Udall and had a a very uh, pretty good term of office for a U.S. Senator. He really really did. I know that folks want to look back and say otherwise. I don't think of that. I don't think that's the case. I think I think what he did in a lot of Colorado issues and so forth and in bolstering Trump on a number of issues during the Trump presidency shows that Gardner was a good U.S. senator. I wish he was still in there. But I'm saying I've known Buck for a very long time. I don't see how the word rhino describes Ken Buck, nor that the speaker vote is the determining factor. Why is that the determining factor? Why is that the primary factor in deciding right now whether a guy like Ken Bach is a rhino? Another listener text coming in. I'm okay with it. Our system of government is working. Checks and balances for the American citizen. They'll either figure it out or they won't. Well, okay. Uh, they will either figure it out or they won't, and then the chips will fall how they may, and probably won't work out so well for Republicans, I think, uh, politically, coming out of this, no matter what the result is. And yeah, I mean, technically our system is working, but 
we've not had this kind of a situation since, as Michael Barone pointed out, the 1850s. That's the last time you had something like this. The 1850s, on the, at the onset, just before the Civil War. I would like a functional Republican caucus that gets their stuff together behind closed doors on the basic things of leadership, and then you can hash out policy differences and so forth out in public if you want to. But at least give the perception that you can govern. And if you can't do that, then it doesn't send a good signal to the American people. 303-696-1971, does it make me a rhino for saying that? For looking at the GOP and saying, come on, guys. Can you act a little better than children? Keep it right here. It's the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710 KNUS. From their brand new album, Traveler's Soul, out this week. It's Blues Travelers. We continue. Jimmy Sangenberger here with you. News Talk 710-KNUS. We are kicking things off before we get into school board stuff and then on to other things. And we can go back to this in the 8 o'clock hour for sure. But we will be joined by Brian McCauley shortly. He is candidate for the Littleton School Board. We're talking about the chaos in the House GOP and... Ken Buck, listener text, I wouldn't call Buck a rhino, but he is definitely wrong Okay, that's at least respectable. In my view, I can get behind that of you can say person's wrong, but to say that they're a rhino over the Jordan vote, mm, I, I, I don't see that. I just don't. 303-696-1971. Let's go to Tony in Littleton. Good morning, Tony. How are you? Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking the call. You bet. Uh, first of all, let me tell you, I, I listened to you yesterday um, and set up the issues of the day and then do the interview with the general. And I, I thought you did. A, I thought you did a really good job. I, I thought it was, an, you know, an interesting morning. Thank you. I'm uh, glad. Yeah. So I was t- tuning in and, you know, follow. I've been following the house thing, of course. And and here's here's how I, I, I see it. I, you know, both parties, Democrat and Republican, have their extreme wings of their party. The difference between Democrats and Republicans is the the extreme wing does not run the party. AOC, she has a voice, a powerful voice. She sits on committees and so forth. But under Pelosi and now Jeffrey, she's not the, that wing does not run the party. Let me just put a pin on your okay. point on, okay. on the on the Democrats for a moment, Tony, because I agree with you in this sense. Now, I would say that the Democrats writ large have become further and further left. But your point is more about having a party that isn't controlled by those folks in the squad. AOC is is somebody that I've been following since she was running for Congress in the 2018 cycle. And one thing that I noticed is that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was very brash. She would say her views, express her democratic socialism, and was going rogue in that sense. And if you've noticed over the past couple of years, she has fallen in line, towed the line. Pelosi guarantee you went to her and said, 
you can have your views, but we need to get together on these particular things. You can't go out on a limb. You got to look out for your uh, ability to get things done, so on and so forth. And you don't see AOC being as bat crap crazy as you used to, at least in rhetoric, because she was controlled in that sense by the party that said, hey, we need to get you in line a little bit. And that's to the betterment, I think, or the the uh, benefit of the Democrats. Absolutely. And Republicans, on the other hand, have have played this game since while they have accommodated Trump since 2016, both in the Senate and the House. And they've played along. And now we've got this this kind of powerful met. MAGA wing at the at the very edge of the party, and they're controlling the party. You you kind of think about what happened. Tea Party merges, becomes Freedom Caucus. That we've went through Boehner, Ryan, McCarthy, and now now the wing is actually trying to determine. They actually want their own guy at the uh, head of the Freedom Caucus at the head of the chamber, and the Republicans have said no. You're not going to we're not putting a Freedom Caucus person at the, well, at the I, as the speaker. Know, let me let me just be clear on a couple of things, Tony. One, I think there's personally I think there's tremendous value in the Freedom Caucus if it was focused on the ideological objectives, the conservative objectives that it set forth to do. I, I think that it's when all, you talk about the harder, harder right of the party, that's more on politics than it is on policy, I believe. Um. I'm not. Yeah, and I'm not going to necessarily dispute that. But it, it, you are kind of what you you are what you're you're working toward. I, I mean, if they spent a lot of time. You, I think, made a comment about Reagan being maybe a standard bearer of of the Republican Party. Uh, certainly, the conservative, conservative movement, right? Mm-hmm. The conservative side of the party. I would hardly call what is going on with the Freedom Caucus today. The Reagan that that is not that's not what yeah. Reagan would have done. Reagan would not be walking off of Ukraine under any circumstance that's whatsoever. That's true. So so it's not the it's not conservative. It, I don't look at it and say, oh, they're good conservatives or or very conservative conservatives. They they are they are out there raising money by being as provocative, being bomb throwers, and and so kind of you know you've been patient. The kind of the gist of it is for me. We really almost have a parliamentary system with three parties, Republicans, Democrats, and MAGA. And MAGA needs to be looked at as a party almost beside itself right now, hmm. as, at least the way it functions. And so I could, I, could see, I could see a possibility where come Monday you get some moderate that somebody, they agree, okay, this guy, this guy or gal can lead the party. But the, the Freedom Caucus gets and his gang, no. And it only takes four yeah. of them to say no, no and there is no look, there is look, no speaker. Tony, Tony uh, notwithstanding what I was saying about Buck here and, and Jordan, he was one of just eight that was able to take out McCarthy. because exactly. Gates, Now, it wouldn't have happened had Matt Gates not put the motion to vacate, for, vacate forward, and then those Republicans had to make their calculus and say, okay, is this a time where I think we need to get rid of McCarthy? And they, they made their votes, but it really does come down to Matt Gates in, in that regard. But 
you're, you're right that when we look here at um, the ability for a, a small contingent of Republicans to change the direction or to stir something up, that's going to be a problem. And guess what? It's not going to go away. But unfortunately, I, not. I do have to let you go, Tony, because well, we well, are well, real quick. I think it'll be Democrats and Republicans that have to come together on a moderate oh that they agree on. So I think let me I appreciate I have to let you go, Tony. But right, let me just you. let me just say that I hope to God that does not happen. Because anything, any deal between Republicans and Democrats for a speakership is going to be the, to the detriment of the country full stop. Lisa in Castle Rock texting, and thanks for the name in town. I appreciate it. You are so right. I am so tired of the inability of Republicans to get it together. I'm afraid voters will remember this come next November. If they don't, the Democrats will remind them. Yes, indeed. And Alexa in Littleton putting it succinctly with a four-word sentence. AOC is an idiot. Well said. Well said. We have to go to a break now, but we may get to some of these texts later. There are a couple more that I'd like to get to, but would take too long to review. We will have the opportunity soon to open up the phones again and the texts as well. But we are turning to education locally. Brian McCauley, conservative candidate for Littleton School Board will be joining us for the remainder of the hour. And then next hour, we'll be turning to Douglas County, followed by the news of the day in the 8 o'clock hour. Keep it right here. Lots happening on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show on Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710 KNUS. Lots of folks fed up with politics. Things going on in D.C. Things going on here. In Colorado, in the public school system... And with some very good reason. It's a little John Lee Hooker Jr. with his tune, Fed Up. As we continue on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, News Talk 710 KNUS. Good to be with you as we shift gears here on the program into local discussions of education. On, once again, Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710 KNUS. And I am pleased to kick it off this morning with Brian McCauley, who's a conservative candidate running for the Littleton School Board. And he joins me now. Good morning, Brian. Welcome to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, thanks for coming on, especially at this early hour. Uh, Let me just start off right from the top. Who is Brian McCauley, and why are you running for the school board in Littleton? Yeah, Brian McCauley is a father of five children, uh, been living here in Littleton for about 14 years. I am an emergency medicine physician, and I work at the VA taking care of our nation's veterans. And I'm running largely because of my experiences that I had both in the private school arena and the public school arena. Um, my daughter just finished from from Heritage High School, which is a public school here in Littleton, and um, and then some of the experiences that I had were with my middle two daughters, who I did opted not to send to the LPS system, the Littleton Public School System, largely because they didn't 
They didn't provide the learning environments that my children needed. Um, and namely, they didn't provide in-person learning during COVID and they didn't provide small class sizes that were needed. And so that kind of, that got me on this track of thinking about the, what we're providing for our kids and what we're not providing for our kids. And I was able to, to send my kids to private schools. Um, I could afford to do that, but most families can't do that. They don't have that option. And so I'm running because I'm trying to help those families and those kids get what they need in our public school system. You talk about smaller class sizes. This to me is profoundly important. So I went to, uh, I was in Cherry Creek schools, graduated from Grandview High School back in 08. And I went on to Regis University where with the exception of maybe one class, the largest classes that I had, and this is one of the reasons I chose Regis, were 14. I had classes where I, there, I was one of maybe two students. Uh, that was mm. just unique. Now, you're not talking that small, but my point is the smaller class sizes mean greater attention to each individual student's needs. At the same time, though, Brian, we do have a national teacher shortage that makes this a bit more difficult. So talk to us a little bit more about hiring teachers, good quality teachers, and shrinking class sizes. Yeah, well, well, one of the, one of the reasons we, we are having difficulty retaining these teachers is because of that class size, because they feel like those classes are unwieldy. They're just too large. They've got kids with IEPs. They've got kids that struggle with English as a language. And they can, the teachers can manage those classes and get the kids from A to B in their learning if it's manageably sized, like 25, 26 kids. But when you get up to the 32, 33 size, it reaches a tipping point where they just can't do it. And so, um, so there's, so, so we, and, and if, if teachers can't, can't, accomplish what they're passionate about they're they're going to be it's a disheartening thing and they leave the profession um you know there's also pressures on on compensation and such but i think we need to build an environment where they can actually thrive and do what they do well now the other big issue is funding and my view on this is yeah there's there's limited funding i get it what are we spending our money on is the question can we identify, let's just say, for example, out of every dollar that we spend, can we identify four cents on that dollar that can go towards smaller class sizes? I think yes. I think it's all about how you prioritize what's important to you. And to me, this is really critically important. You got to have a small class size. So that means let's look at the whole gamut of all of the things that we're spending money on sure. and say, is this as important as that small class size? And if the answer is no, then let's consider trimming that part down and, and diverting right. the money to something else. Brian McCauley joining us, candidate for Littleton School Board. Let's talk about academics. I mean, fundamentally, that's what a school district is about, right, is providing a quality education for students so they're prepared for whatever future path they want to take. Uh, we are still seeing school districts struggle post-pandemic. Uh, Littleton is not dissimilar from that. How do you improve academics? What is your uh, emphasis going to be in that regard, Brian? That's a great question. So the the key thing is, so there's five components of how do you improve academic success, in my view. One is you've got to say as a board, this is a priority. This, out of, 
out of five things that we consider today, for example, on any given month, we're going to consider these five things. Three of them have to be academic excellence. You can't lose sight of that. So one is making a priority. Two, you've got to create a culture that celebrates that excellence. Cherry Creek is getting rid of the valedictorian distinction. That's going the opposite direction. We don't want that. We want to celebrate it when we see it. So with students, teachers, administrators, let's celebrate it. Three, you have to look for best practices. They are out there. Replicate a best practice. Find it, replicate it. At Newton Middle School, they improved their their math scores by 31% and their English scores by 15%, according to the Colorado Department of Education, the, the CMAS scores. They improved those scores just by adding 20 minutes of math and 20 minutes of English each day to those classes. That's, so they're up in the 80th percentile now. That's fantastic. Let's take an example like that and say, hey, can we apply this to the other schools? Because they're just doing so well for their students. Finally, our, the transparency and accountability are, are another big piece of this. If you don't have transparency, you don't have trust. If you don't have trust, you cannot have a highly functioning system. So you need transparency, and then everybody's got to be accountable to each other. Lastly, you got to keep politics out of the schools. Just focus on education, no politics. So those are the five pieces where I would like to see mm. stressed, and then we'll. I think we can we can move towards academic excellence. I, I like that. You have uh, several key things to focus on to improve academics, and that sort of plan is definitely the kind of thing that we need in all school districts across this state, for sure. I've got less than a minute left here, unfortunately. I want to ask you to share with us where folks can go to learn more about you and your campaign, and a final word as the ballots now are probably in their hot little hands, as they say. Yeah. Um, my website, which is www.mac4kids, M-A-C, and then the number four, kids.com. Um, that's where you can learn more. Um, I would say we, we have to focus on the big picture. When you, you know, if you're casting your ballot, if you're talking to your friends about casting your ballot, what is the big picture? The big picture is if we really care about our kids, then we care about delivering them an outstanding education. So let's focus on candidates that that have a plan and a vision for delivering an outstanding education for our kids here in Littleton. Well said. Brian McCauley, Mac4Kids.com. Really appreciate you taking the time to join us this morning. Best of luck in the last couple of weeks in this All campaign. Right. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Once again, Brian McCauley, candidate for the Littleton School Board, joining us nice and succinct and on point. I appreciate it. We'll be back going into Douglas County as we continue. 710 KNUS. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.